Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. If an activity doesn't prepare you for what matters to you, it's just noise. Kendra Adachi, The Lazy Genius Way. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And today I'm joined by a very special co-host, Kendra Adachi from The Lazy Genius Podcast. In her weekly show and her upcoming book, Kendra helps listeners be geniuses about the things that matter and lazy about the things that don't. Today, we're talking bookshelves, pandemic reading habits, and of course, the release of Kendra's new book, The Lazy Genius Way, which you can pre-order from the bookshelf. Hi, Kendra. Hi, Annie. This is so fun. It's so exciting. I occasionally have these moments of kind of starstruck, oh my gosh, I'm talking to a person I've really liked on the internet for a long time. <laughs> um, I feel the same way. I'm excited <laughs> to talk to Annie B. Jones. I'm so excited. We've never had a, do you realize outside of like Instagram DMs, you and I have never had a conversation. (laughs) It's so weird. It's so true because you did like the literary London trip the year before I did. So I feel like we have like mutual friends and relationships and we DM, but that's about it. Right. But I feel like I, as it is with social media, it's like I follow you. And so I know what's happening in your life. And I don't know, I'm guessing this because you comment on my stuff. So I know the same is true of you. So it's like we sort of keep up with each other, but we literally never have. (laughs) So this is it live for the world to hear. (laughs) Okay. When we started talking about this episode and what it might look like and what we might talk about, you brought up this idea of how to lazy genius your bookshelves. And I am currently sitting in a room of my home that Jordan and I call our study, but that's like a very fancy word for like where all the books live. (laughs) And, And I have bookshelves. I have a book cart with tons of books. I have another bookshelf with books like toppling over. And I got rid of a stack the other day. Like I do you know, occasionally do a clean out of the books on my shelves, but I'm dying to know what the lazy genius way for organizing and what's like a nice way of saying, like getting rid of the books that maybe we don't need anymore without maybe turning into Marie Kondo where she like rips the pages out of the books she likes. That when I read that in her book, which I enjoy, I mean, I enjoyed her book. Like they were were great. But when I read that part, I was like, I'm sorry. She is not speaking my language. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my word. That was so much. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I, I actually recently, recently, as in like two days ago, did kind of a bookshelf uh, clean out, kind of like- I saw the picture on Instagram and yes. I, was, I took a screenshot. I was like, tell me your ways. What you doing yeah. over there? <laughs> kind of a release. Well, here's, okay. So here's the thing. The thing about the lazy genius way is that <laughs> other than sounding like a cult, which my husband tells me I'm a cult leader, several, <laughs> like, uh, like once or twice a week, uh, which is kind of fun. Um, Keeps no, you humble. It does. It does. It's all about doing what matters to you. It's about supporting what matters to you. So like, for some people, just being surrounded by books, like having a room for the books, 
mm-hmm. matters. Like getting rid of a ton of books and like, I'm only going to keep a hundred titles or 50 titles or whatever in my house, that might not matter for you at all. You want to be surrounded by books. Whereas right. other people are like, I really love books, but I'm distracted by all the shelves of books that I'm not reading because mm-hmm. I can't even see what books I do want to read. And so it is completely based on what matters to a person. But then mm-hmm. what I've kind of done for myself and what I, you know, we can do, we can do for you if you want to, or anybody <laughs> listening. Like the whole idea of the lazy genius way is that there are principles. It's a book of 13 principles that you can apply to any situation any life stage, any whatever. It can be very, very specific. Like, how do I lazy genius my bookshelves? Um, mm-hmm. And you apply the principles in a way that makes sense to you in support of what matters to you. I like this because it almost sounds like the lazy genius way is like that Amy Poehler quote from her book, good for you, not for me. Like, yeah. And it's totally fine if somebody wants to tear out the pages of the books that are important to them. Like, I mean, it makes me hurt a little, but I also am a person who dog ears my books and who writes in my books. So if like, what makes you feel good is to tear out the pages of the books that are special to you and put them in a binder, I guess, good for you. (laughs) Um, But I prefer, and even now that we have this house where we have bookshelves, like in one area of our house, there are still books everywhere but I would have it no other way because that's my, I mean, that's literally my life. I own a bookstore. So you should walk into my home probably and see books in stacks in various places. It makes sense for who, for who I am. So I like that the lazy genius way is really about who you are as a person and what you're prioritizing as a person. Yeah. And I think that one of the, one of the principles that I was sort of jotting down a couple of principles that kind of came to mind. And the first one is, um, and some of them are more tangible than this one, but it starts with being kind to yourself. Uh, the principle <laughs> of being kind to yourself, because here's what we do in situations, um, even as like simple and like relatively unemotional or has no morality on it or whatever, like organizing your bookshelves is we still try and put morality on it. We're still like, well, I, feel, I just feel bad because aren't I supposed to da, 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 shouldn't I, da, 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 da. Didn't I not write my book? Shouldn't I write in my, like it's kind of, mm-hmm. you can in yourself in circles and we do where it's like, I'm not supposed to write in books or I'm supposed to be smart enough to write in books. But when I write, <laughs> what am I supposed to write? Yeah, like we can always find a way to see what is wrong about mm-hmm. the way we're doing something, even in how we like, organize our books. And so I think that's where it starts is to be kind to yourself with what matters to you, like how you do it. There's no right or wrong way here. Like just do your thing and be kind to yourself about it. I think that's so important because, and it's not the internet's fault. I think sometimes my personality is like, oh, it's the internet. Let's blame, let's blame social media. Let's blame the internet. But I do think there is a lot more pressure now. I just think about when my mom was decorating her home, you know, 20 years ago, social media didn't exist. Sharing pictures of our homes didn't exist 30, 40 years ago. But now, and it's a great thing. Like I love sharing what my home looks like or what my reading life looks like. But there is that comparison monster. A friend of mine came over pre pre COVID, nobody panic. A friend came over to my house <laughs> and looked at my bookshelves and he couldn't understand how they were organized. And I was like, Oh, that's because they're not. That's because when I moved in, my mom unpacked my boxes while I worked the Christmas shifts at the bookshelf. <laughs> and so my books have not moved. Like I haven't 
organized them and he was mortified. He's a dear friend, so it's fine. But I was like, no, I'm not going to feel mortified about that. I haven't had a chance to kind of go through my bookshelves. My life hasn't, I haven't made enough time, I don't think, to sit down and really figure out how I want them organized. So they're just on a shelf and that's okay. (laughs) It's not the end of the world. And you know, what's funny is that there's another principle in the book. And this is like my life now is saying that reminds me of another principle in the book. Like seriously, I don't know how many times I say it a day. Um, But another one is to put everything in its place. Mm -hmm. And for you, what mattered in that time and still does maybe is Mm -hmm. just having the books in a place. Like they don't have to be perfectly optimized in the place that they're in. They just need to be in a place and they are. Mm -hmm. And so it's not even, I think what happens too, when we put things in their place, like when your books are in your bookcases, you like, it sort of does the job it's supposed to do. And Mm -hmm. you are maybe are finding, I don't know if this is true, but you were like, it doesn't really matter right now. You're not spinning your wheels. You're not wasting energy. Like, well, how should I organize them? Because they're in their place. It sort of like takes the energy of that off the table because they're in their place. And that's really what matters is they're they're just in their place. So I I love that anecdote. And I think that that's so fantastic that if they, even if they stay in your shelves unorganized, it doesn't matter because your books are serving their purpose right now. And that's great. Yeah. And I think we're in the middle, the season we're all in is so odd and weird. And there are so many different words that I never want to hear again about (laughs) what this season looks like. But because I'm still in a season where I am pretty much constantly at the bookshelf or thinking about the bookshelf, when I get home, it's not relaxing to organize my bookshelves. I think in a previous life or a previous season, it might've been fun to like take my books off the shelves and sort them or organize them. But I do that a lot in my day job (laughs) right now. And so there's not a lot of joy in that for me right now. And it doesn't mean there won't be down the road, but the thought of coming home from a day at the shop and like taking my books off their shelves and organizing them (laughs) sounds miserable. But I am curious, I saw, so on your Instagram stories, you had taken, it looked like several books off of your shelves. And I'm curious what the process looked like for you. Yes, it's personal. My process like might look different from yours, but what did your process look like? What was your organizational method? What were you doing this weekend? I'm so curious. Yeah. Okay. So I took, uh, uh, we have like two main bookshelves in our house Mm -hmm. and I took every single book off of every single shelf. And I put it on a giant table. And the reason I did that, now the reason I did that, that is not what one must do. But the reason reason I did that is because what I wanted to do, what matters to me about my reading right now is that I read. And uh, which is kind of, as Knox McCoy would say, it's kind of a nothing burger thing to say. I always get it mixed up like the whole supply demand reader. But if I lose momentum, I stop reading. Yes. I think that's, I think a lot of people are that way. For sure. I hate feeling that way. Like I love reading so much, but if I lose momentum, I just will find myself like going a month and I'm like, have I finished a book yet? I don't think I have. And I really want, reading does matter. And the momentum of reading matters. Not because I don't track how many books I read in a year. It's not Mm -hmm. because of that. It's not because of numbers. It's just, I really love to read. Like Mm -hmm. I really love it. And so I want to keep it going. And I started to name like, okay, what is getting in the way of my not reading and having that momentum? And Mm -hmm. so much of it is because I don't necessarily know what to read next, but also because there is so much on my shelf that 
is just not really, it's not that it's not my taste. It's just mm-hmm. like, there's so much to read in the world that I, I know what this generally is. I know how people feel about this. Like, and this is sort of noise. It's like getting in the way of what actually does matter to me. And mm-hmm. so one of the principles is um, essentialize. It's, and it's like three steps of essentializing. It's you name what matters and then you remove what does not support what matters. Mm-hmm. And then you keep or, and, or add, if you need to add, whatever is required to be essential to that thing that matters, to support what matters. So you get rid of what doesn't and then you add or keep what does. And so in naming the fact that I really want to read, I was like, all right, I need to get rid of stuff that I know I'm never going to read. Mm-hmm. You know, I keep being like, I'll read that one day. When a book has been on your shelf for two or three years, for me, <laughs> it's just not, It's if it's going to find me again, it's going to find me again, but it's not going to find me on my own shelf. And so I kind of wanted to remove all of those things. But then after that, after I I removed what didn't matter, another thing I wanted to add to it was um, things to be a little bit more uh, categorized in terms Mm -hmm. of like genre or mood or like the purpose of that book, like why I wanted to read that book. And so I needed to get everything out. I needed to like pull every book out for me to be able to group those like genres and purposes together to kind of categorize the books. And the th- another thing that I've learned in terms of um, kind of like putting things in their place, going in the right order. This is one of the things about going in the right order. That's another principle is that like we, <laughs> we will um, do things like in pieces and then we have to undo that work because you're like, oh, look at these three books that sort of speak to each other. Let's start this shelf. Mm-hmm. And then that book only, that shelf only has room for 10 books and you found 25 more and then you have to do it again. And I just didn't, I didn't want to keep doing things again. Yeah. And so um, I was batching, which is another lazy genius principle. I was like getting everything out, getting rid of everything that didn't matter that I didn't want to read anymore. And then categorizing the books and then being like, how many do I have of this? This will fit here. How many do I have of this? This will fit here. And it was the most gratifying thing. And now when I know that like I'm about to finish a book, because I have a rule in my uh, life that once I finish a book, I have to start the next one in 24 hours. Like I really want to do that in order to keep my momentum going. Do I break that rule? Of course I do. Um, (laughs) But knowing like where I want to go next and being able to get there really easily makes that momentum happen. So that was kind of like how I was applying all those principles to the book organization. Uh, And that's what it looked like for me. And it was seriously like, I haven't had that much fun doing something sort of silly. Mm -hmm. And so it was just the best, it was just the best thing. It was the best thing. I frequently, so I'm listening to you talk and I think probably from both listening to your podcast and then one of the lazy geniuses in my life is my mom. Um, and she is so good at what you're describing. (laughs) In fact, sometimes I compare. So back when I was growing up, my mom read this book called The Family Manager. Don't know if you're familiar. It's got a really great cover. Google it. Oh, it's, um, it's, it's classic looking. (laughs) Uh, um, I forget. I think the lady's name, I don't know, Mrs. Peel. I feel like it's her name, Kathy Peel. That's what it was. And mom, my mom treated, uh, the family manager book like her other Bible. And, I now have a copy of my mother's uh, family manager book and it's like highlighted and written in. And anyway, to me, the lazy genius way is like maybe the modern family manager (laughs) book. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so anyway, my mom and I frequently, she will kind of 
have these little bits of wisdom for me that I know stem from Kathy. And then I feel like now I have these little bits of wisdom that I have gotten from Kendra. And so, and so I think about like how I do my laundry is the lazy genius way. And it's funny that even some of these principles, I don't know that I would know what to name them, but I do what you're describing. Like I have a stack. I frequently clean out my shelves because I have books I own and like have purchased or been gifted. But then I also have, oh my gosh, so many arcs, so many galleys that just take up so much space on my shelves. And if I haven't read something in, yeah, probably 12 months, that probably means I'm not going to read it right now. And as you said, doesn't mean it won't find its way to me one day, but I feel like I am constantly like taking a load to the little free library or gifting friends with, with books that maybe I don't have room for, or even my brain maybe doesn't have room for. And I, I'm reminded too of our mutual friend, Erin Moon. Like she posted recently that a few months ago, she faced all of her books. They were like distracting her. Mm-hmm. And so she faced all of her books spine in. And then just recently she was like comfortable with re <laughs> re-showcasing the spines of her books. And I understand that because I think the visual clutter is a lot. And so I like the idea of kind of batching and kind of clearing off and making room. And I frequently will do that step, but this batching step would be new for me. And I really kind of like that idea because I'm like you, if a book really moves me, I want to give it a couple of days to like lay, lay on my brain and in my soul, but then I need to pick up something else or I'm going to just resort to Netflix. Like I won't pick up a book by default. I'll pick up the remote, but I, I like the idea of kind of batching so that I know, okay, I just finished, you know, a literary fiction book. So now I'd like to read an, uh, a rom-com or I just mm-hmm. finished a young adult book. So now I really want some meaty nonfiction. I'm curious too, we kind of are living through this really intense time where we're trying to educate ourselves, or I hope we're trying to educate ourselves and we're trying to read more widely. And at the bookshelf and in our store, we have kind of tips and ideas for customers on how to incorporate maybe books that are outside of their reading comfort zones or how to incorporate authors who might be outside of their reading comfort zones. But I'm curious for you, just as a reader, how are you without becoming overwhelmed, incorporating maybe nonfiction or maybe even anti-racist literature into your reading life right now? What does that look like? How are you, how are you making that purposeful commitment without getting overwhelmed? It's so easy to get overwhelmed too. With yes. it. I mean, it's just, cause you, I know for me, I have this, um, this like internal drive to learn as quickly as possible <laughs> and I don't know that that benefits anyone um, <laughs> in terms of just like being like voracious about the consumption of anti-racist literature that is so important. But it, I was starting to get to burnout because it was <laughs> just like, uh, and I, and I realized even saying that, that that is, that is a huge part of my privilege yeah. that I can burn out on learning about racism in this country, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and I can, and and I can step away and it doesn't affect me. Mm -hmm. So even that, I mean, it's just, there's so many, it's very complex. The whole thing is so very complex, but I'm kind of like, all right, I would rather, this is a long game for me. This is a Mm -hmm. lifelong process and learning and a curiosity and all of Mm -hmm. that. And so I, that matters more than saying I read five anti-racism books in the last month. (laughs) That matters more. Now, does that mean I might only read one? Yes. 
but I remember that one and I'm processing that one. And I'm very much like almost excited in some ways to move on to the next one because I gave Mm -hmm. it space to breathe and I'm not as overwhelmed. And so the thing that's been the the most helpful, and I actually kind of, uh, this is sort of like a hodgepodge idea that I learned from a couple of different places, but that I feel like that's so much of the reading life as we hear how people read and you're like, oh, that might work for me. I think that yeah. actually makes a lot of sense. And so I remember um, I've, I've generally been a one fiction and one nonfiction person, like at the mm-hmm. same time, I can't really do much more than that. But what I was finding is that like, nonfiction is so broad. And so like, and so, and this, and anti-racism books are obviously nonfiction um, in terms of like actual like history and understanding stuff. Mm -hmm. Where does that leave my reading like a Barbara Brown Taylor memoir or Mm -hmm. reading a book about business or Mm -hmm. all of those are nonfiction. And so I um, saw Brie McCoy, who is a uh, in real life friend. And I love her so much. And she was sharing how she has like three categories and it's two nonfiction and one fiction. And the first nonfiction is kind of like a little bit more, maybe spiritual sort of memoir kind of vibe where it's the mm-hmm. kind of book that you're okay starting your day with, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like the thing that you would read first. And then the daytime is the other nonfiction and it's kind of educational. And Mm -hmm. so that's a great category that could fit a lot of things. And then the third one is fiction. And so what I have done is I have made a commitment that of those three categories, because those work really, really well for me, of Mm -hmm. those three categories, at least one of them is always by a black author right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, and like the education book right now is, is an anti-racism book, Mm -hmm. but it could be that like, I might read, um, a book, I forget the name again, I, it's like waiting in my queue. Um, it's by Lisa Sharon Harper. I think that's her name. And it's something about like the good gospel. And it's, it's basically like looking at systemic racism in the history of this country, kind of like through the lens of the gospel. And, mm-hmm. and because I'm a Christian, it was like, Oh, that, that's something I actually would want to start my day with because it feels, mm-hmm. it just kind of fits. And so it's sort of like giving yourself I like to give myself um, these kind of loose boundaries of like, where can this thing go? And I'm always committed to reading the perspective of a black author every single day. Mm-hmm. And it may be that all three are black authors at once, but at the very least, it will always be one. And then it just yeah. doesn't feel quite as, um, I don't know. And then each, there's a category for each time of the day. So I know what to what book to pick yeah. up day? It just sort of makes the decision making yes kind of go by the wayside. And I that's another principle in the book is to decide once. And it's like yes. this is what I've decided. I've decided one time that these are my three categories. These are the times of day I read them, and I've decided yeah. that one of them is going to be a black author. And it's yeah. just made the whole process not feel so daunting. And it has, um, like I said, it has the mem- that momentum that matters to me. I love that idea because like you, I want to make sure um, what I'm working toward is a marathon, not a sprint, and that I'm working toward actual change. And I, I don't know if it's like an Enneagram five thing or the fact that I just love to learn, but like my gut impulse. I mean, at one point the other day, I kid you not, I think I had, <laughs> I think I had 57 tabs open in my Safari <laughs> on my phone. <laughs> and it was just a, like a wide range of lots of different things that I was trying to learn. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, well, by having 57 tabs open, I'm actually not learning much of anything because I'm not 
taking the time to really delve into one. And it's like the Ron Swanson principle of kind of putting your energy into one thing. And so I, I like the idea and this idea of reading multiple books during the day, I feel like I heard, was it Seth Haynes? I heard somebody talk about this on another podcast and I really liked it that maybe you start your day with one type of book, you read something else in the middle of the day, and then you close out the end of the day. And I, I really, I like that. And I like having this commitment that you know you've made. And so it eliminates some decision fatigue um, because decision fatigue is real for me. And I'm sure for a lot of other people, and you kind of want to eliminate as much um, fatigue from the process as you can so that you can keep going. So I I like that. I like that a lot. I'm curious kind of what you think, what kinds of decisions you think we should be making now regarding kind of what's on our shelves and what we keep at home and um, how our reading life looks when our lives are kind of turned upside down. (laughs) Um, I think for a long time, you know, I think we've been living through this pandemic, I want to say for four, almost five months. And I think at first I thought, oh, it's okay for life to look like chaos because it's almost like the holiday season or something where everything is kind of crazy and chaotic. And that's okay because this will be over soon. And then we can go back to normal. And I think it's very obvious that we're not really going back to normal as quickly as we thought we would. And when we air quotes go back to normal, I don't think it'll it'll look maybe like it looked before for for better in some cases and for worse in others. And as we're maybe clearing out our book, our bookshelves or adjusting and tweaking our reading lives, I'm wondering what you're thinking in terms of gosh my life is upside down. Should I be getting rid of books, you know, while I'm in this heightened state of anxiety or heightened state of chaos? Or is it, well, this is kind of the new normal. So we don't need to be putting our lives on hold anymore. Like I think for a couple months I did kind of think, okay, I can put my life on hold um, while I focus on the business or while I focus on trying to live through a pandemic. And now it's like, okay, um, got to stop triage now that we're on month four or five. (laughs) I've got got to kind of go back to normal. What, what do you think about that? I think that's such a, an insightful, uh, kind of provocative question because it's like, truly, because it's like, okay, we've been told, I've been told to not, you know, you don't make big decisions under duress. Right. Don't do that. But it's like, well, wait a minute, everything everything is under duress. So <laughs> like, but we can't just keep sitting here like you're saying. And so um, it does feel like we have to kind of find a new lens. And the lens that uh, I guess the question that I would want to offer to anyone listening is, is again, that question of what matters and maybe to put a time frame around it. Like, so right now, you know, we're in uh, like August. So what matters right now and maybe what matters for like the rest of 2020 because we're going into the holidays we know that sort of like what you were saying like where we are right now is pretty much what life is probably going to look like for the next few months obviously things we wouldn't have said that in February um but it's likely that we're going to be in this situation (laughs) and it's going to look similar to this for the next few months and then obviously we're adding in kind of like the the rhythm of of holidays in the fall and starting school and like all these things that kind of bring their own um, levels of stress. Yeah. And so um, I, my question would be to ask, okay, what matters to me for the rest of 2020? And if that feels too big about, and, and really it's about the reading life, what matters to me about my reading life for mm-hmm. the next, for 2020? 
And again, if that feels too big, be like, what matters to me this month for my reading Mm -hmm. life? If that feels too big, what matters to me this week? What matters to me today? Another lazy genius principle is to start small. And I think sometimes what we do is we just try to build like these big old machines and, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to this, 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 and it's like a 10 step thing for ourselves, but then we don't really follow through on it because big doesn't really work very well. And so Mm -hmm. if you find that you don't have a clear answer for what matters about my reading life or what matters about my book organization or what matters about the books I keep in my home, um, if thinking about that for the rest of the year is too big, just keep making the time frame smaller until you have an answer. That's it. Just keep making it smaller until you have an answer. And then when you know what matters, go, okay, what one thing can I do right now to support that? Like, what can I do? You don't, it doesn't have to be this big thing. It could just be like, I want to finish that book. I want to finish Be the Bridge by Latasha Morrison because I've seen everyone read it and say that it changed their lives, but it feels really hard because I don't know how to be a bridge. And I'm thinking ahead years down the road and all of these things. And I'm like, how am I going to fit this into my life? Really start small by just reading the book. Just read that one book. Um, And then you do the next you do the next thing. So yeah. uh, that's really, again, that's like whenever, when anybody says to do something small or like just, I mean, even um, our mutual friend, Emily P. Freeman and the next right thing, I, she has said so many times, she was like, it's the worst answer. Just do the next right thing. <laughs> but it's also the best answer because yeah. guess what? we can all do the next right thing. We all can do that. We can all do whatever is right in front of us. And so, you know, I think, That was sort of my next right thing over the weekend was like, Mm -hmm. I need to get rid of what is sort of getting in the way right now because I want 2020, I want the rest of this reading year to have momentum through the end. I want to, I want to continue to, to love reading and engaging in these things that I'm learning and blah, blah, blah. And so my next right thing is to clean out my shelves. Like, Mm -hmm. so it's kind of, um, again, it's like so personal, but just ask what matters in the smallest time frame where you have an answer. I love that because I tend to be a big picture kind of person and I kind of tend to think, yeah, for the next three months or for the next month. And I like that you said, just keep going smaller until you get your answer because I have found, especially while living through a pandemic that what has helped me is to think about what do I need to do right now? What book do I need to read today? Because my reading life is often dictated by the podcast or by Babysitter's Club or by like by these different kind of things I kind of need to do, you know, or I need to read so that I pick a book for my shelf subscription or something like that. And so I, I have noticed that what works for me right now is saying, okay, what book, which of these books do I need to pick up today and finish? Because I think I was for so long and it did work for a period of time, like thinking about, okay, what books do I want to read this quarter? What things do I want to tackle this month? But I'm realizing right now what helps me most is to narrow it down even further until I'm thinking, what do I need to read today? I like that we're in agreement there. Kendra, you should be a life coach. You're very good at this. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, when I was trying to figure out like, you know, you have an, you have an answer when someone says, what do you do? You say, I own and run a bookstore, you know, like when someone says, what do you do? I'm like, um, I like before I had a book and even then it feels, I'm an author. Like it, it just, I don't know my job, people who like do stuff on the internet that they talk into their phones. It's like the weirdest, weirdest job. And so when I was trying to come up with like what to call myself, Cos was like, well, you could call yourself a life coach. I'm like, no, babe, I can't. There's like certification for that. And so then he, that's when he decided to start calling me a cult leader. Cause I wouldn't, I wouldn't call myself a life coach. So but here's, here's what I actually love about, honestly, about 
kind of the space of the Lazy Genius Collective, but especially the Lazy Genius Way, is that mm-hmm. you get to be your own life coach just by mm-hmm. using principles that make sense for your life. You can yeah. coach your life better than anybody else can. We just yeah. need some tools. We just need some language and some tools to make decisions that make the most sense for us. And then we can just do them. So I love that because I tend to read... Oh, I think about that scene from when Harry met Sally all the time, like somebody staring at you in personal growth. Like I tend to read, (laughs) I tend to read personal growth books, but I often don't finish them. Like I start them and I really like them and I maybe take what I need from them and then move on. Um, But what I do love, you know, all kind of joking aside, I really do love about the lazy genius way that it's super personal. And so one of the sections in your book talks about routine. And it made me laugh because I thought, oh my gosh, I've done that same thing where I read, oh, what the five most successful people do before breakfast and, or whatever. I can't even remember the exact name of the book, but I loved that book. And for a while I was like, okay, I've got to, and it was exact examples from your book. It was like, I need to drink lemon water. I need (laughs) to meditate. I need to um, do some cardio activity, which is hilarious because I hate cardio activity. Like, and I like that you're really trying to get people to understand that routine isn't going to stick because that has nothing to do with what you actually like or enjoy or maybe really want to do like or are capable of doing. And so I do appreciate that the lazy genius way is about really reflection and looking into what you want and asking yourself hard questions or even um, sometimes easy questions, but waiting for the answer for your answer, because my answer might look different from you. And so I appreciate that you're your concepts leave room for that. Um, leave room for well, what what works for you and what might work in your life and in your home. So I really, I like that. This was delightful, Kendra. Thank you. This is so fun. We got to have a conversation, Annie. So <laughs> did. I, I wish I could see your face. That's the one thing I really do hate about podcasting long distance is I feel like I'm really at my best with my hand motions and like my facial expressions. Same, all my work. <laughs> but this is the next best thing. And so I am so grateful that you came on. Um, I'll have to keep you posted on what I decide, um, I should take a picture of my, of my bookshelves, but also just my stacks, um, and kind of show you what they look like in a month, uh, after I've maybe thought through some of these things, but I, I love your concepts. I love the help you've provided. And I think, I think listeners will too. So thank you so much. Thanks, Annie. This was great. To pre-order Kendra's book, you can go to the Bookshelf website. That is www.bookshelfthomasville.com. There is a pre-order section on the website. The Lazy Genius Way releases on August 11th. And then very fun, if you purchase the Lazy Genius Way from the Bookshelf, you get a free event ticket for our (laughs) Books and Blandly Handsome Men conversation. which what a delight that is going to be uh, on August 27th, um, where we are going to talk about books, blandly handsome men and everything in between. That is on Thursday, August 27th. Tickets for this virtual conversation are $10 or they are free with your purchase of the Lazy Genius Way from the bookshelf. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in South Georgia. You can follow The Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at BookshelfTivo, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, bookshelfthomasville.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, I'm reading The Cross and the Lynching Tree by James Cohn. Kendra, what are you reading this week? 
I'm reading The Keeper of Lost Things by Ruth Hogan. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes. Or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free shipping on all your online orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We are so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week. Thank you.